Travis Ryer, the BamaOnline.com staff, following Saturday's media viewing periods at University of Alabama football practice. That's right. The last Saturday practice for the Alabama Crimson Tide of the 2019 college football season. First of all, uh, thank you for joining us here. But uh, second of all, it's Saturday, and it's almost Saturday night, so a lot of you better be taking care of that uh, special someone. Nice dinner, maybe a movie tonight. Nah, you're not going to do any of that, are you? You're going to watch, I think coming up here, what, the top of the hour, Florida and Miami, going to kick off the 2019 Power 5 uh, FBS version of the college football schedule. What did we have earlier today? Youngstown State. In Sanford, uh, did I see Villanova and Colgate? And then, of course, late night tonight, uh, team near and dear to our heart here on the premises of Studio T, where we're coming from you to for from for you today, uh, the Rainbow Warriors of Hawaii tonight taking on Kevin Sumlin and those Arizona Wildcats. But Alabama did practice indoors today. Uh, it was kind of like escape from New York down around Bryant Drive and University Boulevard because we had some strong weather come through the Tuscaloosa area this afternoon. So anytime that happens, it seems like around here, maybe it's the same thing where you're at, people sort of just lose their minds and forget how to drive in wet conditions. Uh, we had we did have some power outages, though, and uh, that was a little bit of a headache trying to get the practice report up today because I had those duties. I had to uh, get your practice report for you today. Uh, Charlie Potter needed a day away, and so uh, uh, we were able to do that. Um, but all's well that ends well, right? Look, you know, we've got college football tonight. How bad can it be? Now, Alabama working out inside, again, because of the stormy weather. Maybe Alabama was going to do that anyway. Typically, when the Crimson Tide is gearing up for a game on turf uh, and or a game indoors, uh, Nick Saban likes to get a lot of time in that Hank Crisp indoor facility on that field turf, simulate the conditions. So Alabama was inside this afternoon. Again, full pads. Um, some notes from the workout. Uh, if you follow our practice reports at BamaOnline.com, certainly Charlie Potter's yesterday. You already knew that Justin Aboigby, the true freshman defensive lineman, was not at practice or wasn't spotted at practice yesterday during the individual periods while we're out there, while we're in there, because it's two straight days now that Alabama has worked inside. Uh, and that was the case again today when I was in there. Uh, I did not see Justin Aboigbe today. Um, I don't know anything specific in relation to what exactly is going on um, with him. What I would tell you is that typically if it's something that is uh, particularly severe or serious, uh, are of the indefinite sort of variety. We we not always, but a lot of times we'll hear from Nick Saban, you know, kind of like Joshua McMillan most recently with the knee injury. So I'm not one to go ahead and sound the alarms and kind of fire the panic buttons just yet. I would kind of caution you against that. Just kind of, you know, enjoy your Saturday night. I think everything's going to be okay. But um, you will hear from Nick Saban Monday. We do know that his first Monday news conference of the season coming up at lunchtime, noon, high noon on Monday, you will hear from Nick Saban. But we did not see Justin Aboigby with the defensive lineman out there today. Um, I did see Stefan Wynn before practice. He was in full gear in a black non-contact jersey. He had that uh, right foot ankle 
area taped pretty good, uh, heavily. Uh, so not doing much right now is Stefan Wynn as we approach game week at the capstone. Um, did see Antonio Alfano, if you're wondering. Yeah, he was there with the defensive lineman. Um, else, elsewhere on the injury front, uh, you know, Jerome Ford's been dealing with that ankle sprain since last Saturday's, uh, the, the second scrimmage of fall camp. And watching the running backs with the quarterbacks today, they were working on a screen drill, which if you're screen pass guy, and I know some of you are, our screen pass gal, know a lot of you love those screen passes. Uh, they were doing a little drill to simulate kind of the timing between the quarterbacks and the running backs that go into, you know, selling, selling it, selling it, and then releasing the back, flipping it out there on a screen. It was just a basic individual drill. Uh, but we didn't see Jerome Ford working in that drill. I'm not sure if he did anything, really, during individual periods today. Uh, but in watching that, what we saw was Tua Tonga-Vailoa paired with Najee Harris. We saw Mac Jones paired with Brian Robinson. And then we saw Talia Tonga-Vailoa matched up with Keelan Robinson, the true freshman running back. So there you go. That was also of particular interest. Um, back to the defensive line, I know there's a lot of uh, sort of uh, – wonderment, I guess, about this group that Alabama has brought in in this 2019 class. It continues to be a really impressive-looking uh, group of six defensive linemen. What we saw when they transitioned to the second media viewing period on Saturday was a couple of those true freshmen, Ishmael Softshire and Braylon Ingram, went to the other end of the facility down where the offensive linemen worked with Kyle Flood, the offensive line coach, uh, and there was an inside drill. That was of particular interest for a couple of different reasons. First of all, Softshire and Ingram went down there to work with uh, some scout team guys. And again, that doesn't mean that uh, we're, we're not going to see Softshire and or Ingram, perhaps as early as the Duke game. But it was it was interesting nonetheless. But also what we saw during that inside drill was an offensive line, a first group that had uh, Jedrick Wills at right tackle, Matt Womack at right guard. We've seen Landon Dickerson a good bit this week with that first group at right guard. Uh, but today during the inside drill anyway, and earlier in the workout, what we saw were those pairings again, where they'll pair the guard and the tackle, the guard and the center. And we did see, or I did see Landon Dickerson at one point paired with Jedrick Wills. So take all that with a grain of salt. But during the inside drill, when they worked in a five man group, it was Matt Womack at right guard, Chris Owens at center, Evan Neal at left guard, and Alex Leatherwood at left tackle. Now, um, what you had there, too, in that drill were a couple of tight ends. And the first two guys up, Miller Forstall kind of at that off-the-ball H-back position. And then on the ball, on the line of scrimmage in line, I guess as they say, uh, at more of the traditional hand-on-the-ground tight end position, you had major... Tennyson. The next two guys that rotated in from that standpoint were Giles Amos at the H and then Cameron Latou, uh, again, as more of your hand-on-the-ground guy. So that looks to be your top four tight ends right now. And again, it was interesting to note with Matt Womack, you know, he's, he's missed some time during preseason, uh, but he was right back in there with that, uh, at that right guard position. We'll see. See how it goes once we get around to Monday. Um, trying to think of anything else. Alabama defensively worked the dime package 
today uh, when you talk about the linebackers and also the secondary. No real changes there from what we've outlined for you throughout the preseason. you still got Dylan Moses at the MAC linebacker position, Xavier McKinney dropping down, playing the uh, money. Uh, your corners are the same. Your star is the same. Uh, and your safety, Shaheem Carter and Jared Maiden in that look. So, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting from an inside linebacker perspective, probably more so in the nickel because you know in the dime, barring injury, Dylan Moses is going to be on the field in that look. Uh, but from a depth standpoint, and we did see some of Shane Lee today out there, uh, Markel Benton, um, continue to see uh, Christian Harris paired with uh, – with uh, Dylan Moses, so there's some potential combinations that Pete Golding has that he might be able to work with there uh, still at those inside linebacker spots. We did see Terrell Lewis at outside linebacker with that first dime group. Um, you know, Anthony Jennings seems like he's had his reps or his uh, pitch count, as they like to say, maybe condensed a little bit here. You know what you've got in the fifth-year senior, so if he has any issue at all, you're probably going to lighten his load, I would think, at this point. There's no sense in uh, really loading up on a fifth-year senior who is headed into his third year as a starter. Um, so still, those top three outside linebackers, anyway, appear to be uh, Anthony Jennings, Terrell Lewis, um, and Christopher Allen. So there you go. So those were some of the more notable things I picked up on during today's practice. Again, it's a Saturday night for crying out loud. We're going to try to keep this thing maybe a little bit short, but if you've got some questions uh, or some comments, we'll try to get to them right now. Yeah, Jamie, that's going to be interesting. We've talked about that a pretty good bit, the Deontay Brown factor when he is able to go. Um, you know, there have been years and talked about this with uh, Charlie Potter a couple days ago, uh, I think on the radio show Friday morning. Um, there have been years when, even at Alabama, it was kind of a, you know, let's try to get through this stretch at a particular position until we get this guy back. But I think Alabama right now is stocked in a way that, you know, between Landon Dickerson, Matt Womack, Evan Neal emerging, um, you know, it, it's not going to be easy. I don't think it's going to be a slam dunk that as soon as Deontay Brown comes back, he's right back in the starting lineup. I think it's certainly possible. But, again, depth isn't much of an issue for them right now. Uh, it, really anywhere up front, but certainly at those interior spots. Now, we'll see. Evan Neal's a true freshman. Um, you know, Matt Womack, he's had some injury issues, but Landon Dickerson's there now. Landon Dickerson at Florida State had some injury stuff. So, you don't know how it's going to play out in the first three or four games, but if it kind of holds true to the form that you kind of anticipate there, uh, you know, it, it'll it'll be fascinating to see how they go about that. Running back commit. You're talking about Kyle Edwards? Yeah, Tim Watson and I did a um, Built by Bama online podcast on that. Uh, as it was basically happening Friday morning. So, you know, we've got a lot of thoughts on that there. Um, when I look at Kyle Edwards, you know, I think of a really good fit for what Alabama likes to do offensively. He's a decisive runner. Uh, he's got that sort of prototype size that they like. It's six foot, six one, two oh five or so. 
um, kind of a Glenn Coffey type, uh, maybe a Brian Robinson type. You know, Brian Robinson looks like he's going to have a really consistent workload this year. Now, I don't know how you look at Najee Harris up close like we do in practice. If you stand next to Najee Harris for 10 seconds and you think this guy isn't going to play a large role in the offense this year, and I think most people understand that. But, you know, and that's that's not meant to to knock Brian Robinson. I think Brian Robinson will have a big role too. I don't think they'll be entirely the same, um, those two guys. There will be times when they're the standalone running back in there, but there are things I think they'll do with Brian – uh, that include another back uh, in the game, too. And possibly with Najee, because we saw that last year with Najee and uh, and Josh Jacobs. But I, I like Kyle. I mean, I like Kyle Edwards, you know. I don't – I know he had offers from Michigan, Penn State. I think Notre Dame was involved there. Um, you know, he played the last couple of years behind a five-star running back in John Emery, who's now at LSU and probably going to be a very impactful player for the Tigers this year. So I think Kyle Edwards is a guy, if he stays healthy here through his senior season, you're probably going to see him climb uh, in some of those rankings. I don't think the, I don't think the intent by Alabama is to uh, be any less balanced than they've ever been. It's just that, when you have the kind of playmakers that this team has at quarterback and at those wide receiver spots, you're just not going to three cloud, three yards in a cloud of dust a lot of people because these receivers, when they're averaging 18, 19 yards per catch, you know, they're eating up chunks. You know, this isn't 2008 with, uh, you know, Julio Jones is a true freshman, great, great rookie season, but – you know, you were looking to get behind that offensive line and Glenn Coffey uh, and get downhill on people. You know, when you have the depth of elite talent that Alabama has at wide receiver, uh, it makes it difficult to be balanced uh, in terms of rushing to passing yardage especially. But as I've talked about before, you know, there are some plays in this offense like the quick throws to the flanks and – the jet sweeps that go as passes that are essentially rushing yards, you know. I mean, they go down as passing yards, but when you can stand up, flip it out to the to the sideline to, you know, Henry Ruggs the third or Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle or Jerry Judy, and it goes for seventy yards, well, you know, in the paper the next day, and I guess that doesn't really apply anymore, but in the box score, you know, you your imagination could uh, could take you a little little different ways if you don't see the play. 70-yard touchdown pass. Wow, Tua must have dropped back and thrown the post or the go route. No, I mean, there are a lot of times these explosive plays are quick throws, jet sweeps. You know, talked about it before. Henry Ruggs third against Texas A&M last season. He had a 57-yard touchdown catch. It was a jet sweep. The ball went all of six inches in the air. You know, yeah, you know, I can see some of that with Najee Harris and uh, Najee Harris and um, Eddie Lacy. Um, I I think that uh, I think Eddie got better as he got more work in that he became a little more patient. You know, he wasn't always 
trying to hit the home run in 2012. I mean, he had the spin move, as we know. Um, Najee can do that. Najee, as we know, probably to his own detriment, can also jump over people, which he has sort of taken an oath of uh, limiting and moving forward. I, I, here's where I think Najee Harris has a chance to be even better this year is because he knows he's going to get 12, 15, 17 carries a game. When he was coming into games the last couple of years, he didn't know if he was going to get five or six. So I think for young backs that are scratching and clawing for every touch that they get, especially in an offense like Alabama's, um, you can you can sometimes try to do too much with every carry, you know. And I get it. I understand it. When you've got that kind of talent, why wouldn't you try to hit the home run pretty much every time you get it? But I, I'm I'm thinking that perhaps knowing that he's going to get double-digit carries per game at least, um, that could lead to you know more of just trusting his offensive line, trusting the fact that this isn't you know one of three carries he's going to get today. Um, and and when there's three, four yards there, go get the three or four yards. Maybe it'll become eight or ten. Instead of turning down three or four yards and turning it into something negative. Scooby Carter, uh, saw him out there today. It looked like he was shadowing. Um, who was he shadowing? Was it Jalen Armour Davis in the dime? I believe so. Yeah, they're in a good spot with all these young defensive backs. That second group, man, when you look at Jordan Battle, at safety, you got uh, Jalen Armour Davis, a redshirt freshman at corner, Scooby Carter, a freshman, Brandon Turnage, a freshman, um, Marcus Banks working with the twos as a true freshman, DeMarco Ellums we saw out there today um, working at the money position in the dime. Yeah, uh, that's that's a pretty good group. Josh wants to know about the big game changer on D this year that Alabama was lacking last year. Well, I think Terrell Lewis would be a pretty easy choice, wouldn't he? Not a lot of Terrell Lewis's running around the woods. And even at a place like Alabama, and, you know, Anthony Jennings doesn't get enough love for, for what he does do. Um, but Terrell Lewis, I would say, would fit that bill. I'd say a full year of Trayvon Diggs would also be of a big benefit to that defense. Brandon, I wouldn't say I've seen or we've seen designed runs for Tua, but does that mean the RPO action isn't going to be a part of the offense moving forward? No, it's it's still going to be there. So with that, again, it's a run-pass option. I think he's going to have that option at times, but obviously, first and foremost, for a couple of reasons, if, if he can um, run it with the back, great. If he doesn't and he keeps it... Um, You'd love to see him utilize all these playmakers like he did a year ago, uh, and then secondarily, or well, probably equal to that is you can you can protect him when he does that. Hagen asking about is the pass rush going to be better if the key pieces in that pass rush stay healthy? I think so because Raquan Davis, uh, Terrell Lewis, Anthony Jennings, uh, King Wakuda maybe emerging as an outside edge guy. I think Dylan Moses, even from the inside position, you might see him in some pass rush situations where they're able to utilize his athleticism. You know, I'd say if there's a concern with that pass rush going into the season, or at least you need to see it for yourself 
before you'll be really bought in uh, in terms of the total aspect of it. It's going to be from the interior. Got to have another guy to go along with Raquan Davis in that interior pass rush. Oh, gosh. It's funny right now, you guys. My daughter, our oldest daughter, attends the University of Hawaii. So while I'm doing this, she's texting me, and it's showing up. And she's in the press box at Aloha Stadium getting ready for – she's working the Hawaii-Arizona game tonight. So it's uh, it's all college football all the time right now. Anything else? Or we'll uh, – you know, who do I got tonight, Jason? Miami or Florida? Um Yes, I've got uh, I've got the Gators, the Fighting Gators. I'm not all in on Felipe Franks, uh, but if he has improved, if he is the better quarterback in the game, as he should be at this point, uh, I think Florida should win by ten or so. That's what I'm going with. David asking about the tight ends. David, we talked about those. Uh, a little bit earlier, also saw a question about Cameron Latou. Yes, he's still working with the uh, – Cameron Latou is still working with the tight ends. And as I stated earlier, kind of the pairings that we saw during the inside drill in the second media viewing period today, you had Miller Forstall as an H. You had, along with Major Tennyson, in line with his hand on the ground. So uh, the second group was uh, Giles Amos – the recently awarded scholarship player at the H and Cameron Latou uh, was that inline tight end in that second group. So right now, I'd say it's pretty clear that those are the four guys, Jalil Billingsley, Michael Parker. Um, we've seen them in recent days kind of given the, the defense more of a look on the other end while those other four have kind of worked together. Um, so I would say that's kind of the way it's shaping up right now. You know, Jalil Billingsley could end up being like an Irv Smith Jr., though. In 2016, Irv Smith Jr., to start that season, he really wasn't overly involved. I mean, you had well, you had O.J. Howard. Miller Forstall was a early enrollee and had capitalized on that. You had Hale Hinches. Um, so you had some numbers already uh, at the tight end position. But um, as that season wore on, as we know, Irv Smith Jr. became more and more involved. I don't know if that'll happen for Jalil Billingsley uh, in 2019, but we've seen it in the past. What else do we have? All right, gang, enjoy the college football tonight, okay? Um, and if you're really smart and your significant other isn't a huge college football fan, um, you're getting a nice steak dinner Maybe a little surf and turf. Maybe a little movie tonight, you know. But I know. I know. You're like me, you know. You're going to go right downstairs, and you're going to put on Florida and Miami, and then you're going to see how late you can stay up and catch the second half of that Hawaii-Arizona game on CBS Sports Network, by the way. How's that for a plug for our network partner there, CBS Hey, um, on Monday, what I'm going to do, here's what I'm going to do on Monday. When the depth chart comes out Monday around noon or at Nick Saban's Monday news conference, going to do a instant analysis slash built by Bama online podcast going over the depth chart on depth chart Monday, depth chart day. 
So I'm going to do that. That'll probably be around 12:30 Central on Monday. I'm going to do it from right here, and uh, so we'll go over that. We'll talk about that. And uh, again, these instant analysis—they all drop are the ones that technically do what they're supposed to do anyway. They pretty much drop to the Built by Bama online podcast. So if you haven't subscribed to the Built by Bama online podcast at anywhere where you can subscribe to podcasts, um, we would encourage you to do that. And we'd appreciate a review while you're there, if you don't mind. You know, no pressure here on Instant Analysis. Hey, have a great rest of your weekend, everybody. And we will talk to you on Monday of Game Week 2019. Take care.